Chapter Six, Section Three of *The Promise of American Life* by Herbert Crowley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by the Progressing America Project. Chapter Six, Section Three. William Jennings Bryan as a Reformer. One would hardly dare to assert that such a future of the reforming agitation is already prophesied by the history of reform but the divergence between different classes of the reformers is certainly widening and some such alignment can already be distinguished hitherto i have been classing reformers together and have been occupied in pointing out the merits and failings which they possess in common such a method of treatment hardly does justice to the significance of their mutual disagreements or to the individual value of their several personalities and points of view in many instances their disagreements are meaningless and are not the result of any genuine conviction but in other instances they do represent a relevant and significant conflict of ideas it remains to be seen consequently what can be made out of their differences of opinion and policy and whether they point in the direction of a gradual transformation of the agitation for reform for this purpose i shall select a number of leading reformers whose work has been most important and whose individual opinions are most significant and seek some sort of an appraisal both of the comparative value of their work and of the promise of their characteristic ideas the men who naturally suggest themselves for this purpose are william jennings bryan william travers jerome william randolph hearst and theodore roosevelt each of these gentlemen throughout his public life has consistently stood for reform of one kind or another and together they include almost every popular brand or phase thereof reform as a practical agitation is pretty well exhausted by the points of view of these four gentlemen they exhibit its weakness and its strength its illusions and its good intentions its dangerous and its salutary tendencies be it remarked at the outset that three of these gentlemen call themselves democrats while the fourth has been the official leader of the republican party the distinction to be made on this ground is sufficiently obvious but it is also extremely important the three democrats differ among themselves in certain very important respects and these differences will receive their full share of attention nevertheless the fact that under ordinary circumstances they affiliate with the democratic party and accept its traditions gives them certain common characteristics and it must be added subjects them to certain common disabilities on the other hand the fact that theodore roosevelt although a reformer from the very beginning of his public life has resolutely adhered to the republican partisan organization and has accepted its peculiar traditions this fact also has largely determined the character and the limits of his work these limits are plainly revealed in the opinions the public policy and the public action of the four typical reformers and attempt to appraise the value of their individual opinions and their personalities must be constantly checked by a careful consideration of the advantages or disadvantages which they have enjoyed or suffered from their partisan ties of the advantages or disadvantages which they have enjoyed or suffered from their partisan ties mr william jennings bryan is a fine figure of a man amiable winning disinterested courageous enthusiastic genuinely patriotic and after a fashion liberal in spirit although he hails from nebraska he is in temperament a democrat of the middle period 
a democrat of the days when organization in business and politics did not count for as much as it does today and when excellent intentions and noble sentiments embodied in big flowing words were the popular currency of american democracy but while an old-fashioned democrat in temperament he has become in ideas a curious mixture of traditional democracy and modern western radicalism and he can perhaps be best understood as a democrat of both jeffersonian and jacksonian tendencies who has been born a few generations too late he is honestly seeking to deal with contemporary american political problems in the spirit if not according to the letter of traditional democracy but although he is making a gallant fight and a brave show his efforts are not being rewarded with any conspicuous measure of success mr bryan has always been a reformer but his program of reform has always been ill-conceived his first conspicuous appearance in public life in the democratic convention of eighteen ninety six was occasioned by the acute and widespread economic distress among his own people west of the mississippi and the means whereby he sought to remedy that distress viz by a change in the currency system would have enabled the western debtors partly to repudiate their debts was a genuine result of jacksonian economic ideas the jacksonian democracy being the product of agricultural life and being inexperienced in the complicated business of finance has always relished financial heresies bryan's first campaign was consequently a new assertion of a time-honored tendency of his party and in other respects also he exhibited a lingering fealty to its older traditions reformer though he be he has never been much interested in civil service reform or in any agitations looking in the direction of the diminution of the influence of the professional politician the reforms for which he has stood have been economic and he has had little sympathy with any thoroughgoing attempt to disturb even such an equivocally democratic institution as the spoil system yet his lack of sympathy with this aspect of reform was not due to any preference for corruption it must be traced to the persistence of the old democratic prejudice that administrative specialization like other kinds of expert service implied a discrimination against the average democrat after the revival of prosperity among his own people had shown that partial repudiation was not the only cure for poverty mr bryan fought his second campaign chiefly on the issue of imperialism and again met with defeat but in this influence his platform was influenced more by jeffersonian than jacksonian ideas the jacksonian democracy had always been expansionist in disposition and policy and under the influence of their nationalism they had lost interest in jefferson's humanitarianism in this matter however mr bryan has shown more sympathy with the first than with the second phase of the democratic tradition and in making this choice he was undoubtedly more faithful to the spirit and the letter of the democratic creed than were the expansionist democrats of the middle period the traditional american democracy has frequently been national in feeling but it has never been national in idea and purpose in the campaign of nineteen hundred mr bryan committed himself and his party to an anti-national point of view and no matter how well-intentioned and consistent he was in so doing he made a second mistake even more disastrous than the first in seeking to prevent his countrymen from asserting their national interest beyond their own continent he was also opposing in effect the resolute assertion of the national interest in domestic affairs he stamped himself that is as an anti-nationalist 
and his anti-nationalism has disqualified him for effective leadership of the party of reform mr bryan's anti-nationalism is peculiarly embarrassing to his political efficiency just because he is as i have indicated in many of his ideas an advanced contemporary radical he is indeed more of a radical than any other political leader of similar prominence and his radicalism is the result of a sincere and candid attempt to think out a satisfactory solution of the contemporary economic and political problems as a result of these reflections he dared to advocate openly and unequivocally the public ownership of the railway system of the country and he has proposed also a measure of federal regulation of corporations conducting an interstate business much more drastic than that of mr roosevelt these proposed increases of federal responsibility and power would have been considered outrageous by an old-fashioned democrat and they indicate on the part of mr bryan an unusually liberal and courageous mind but the value and effect of his radicalism is seriously impaired by the manner in which it is qualified he proposes in one breath enormous increases of federal power and responsibility and in the next betrays the old democratic distrust of effective national organization he is willing to grant power to the federal authorities but he denies them any confidence because of the democratic tradition of an essential conflict between political authority particularly so far as it is centralized and the popular interest he is incapable of adapting his general political theories to his actual political program and consequently the utmost political enthusiasm on his part and great power of effective political agitation cannot give essential coherence substantial integrity or triumphant effect to his campaigns the incoherence of his political thinking is best exemplified by the way in which he proposed to nationalize the american railway system his advocacy of public ownership was the most courageous act of his political career but he soon showed that he was prepared neither to insist upon such a policy nor even to carry it to a logical conclusion almost as soon as the words were out of his mouth he became horrified at his own audacity and sought to mitigate its effects he admitted that the centralization of so much power was dangerous and he sought to make these dangers less by proposing that the states appropriate the railroads operating within the boundaries of one state and the central government only the large interstate systems but this qualification destroyed the effect of his federalist audacity the interstate railroads constitute such an enormous percentage of the total mileage of the country that if centralized governmental control was dangerous for all the railroads of the country it would be almost equally dangerous for that proportion of the railway mileage operated as part of the interstate systems in the one and the same speech that is mr bryan placed himself on record as a radical centralizer of economic and political power and as a man who was on general principles afraid of centralization and opposed to it no wonder public opinion did not take his proposal seriously and no wonder he himself has gradually dropped it out of his practical program the confusion and inconsistency of mr bryan's own thinking is merely the reflection of the confusion and inconsistency resident in the creed of his party it is particularly conspicuous in this case because he is as i have intimated a sincere and within limits a candid thinker but jeffersonian and jacksonian democrats alike 
have always distrusted and condemned the means whereby alone the underlying purposes of democracy can be fulfilled mr bryan is in no respect more genuinely democratic than in his incoherence the remedial policy which he proposes for the ills of the american political body are meaningless unless sustained by faith in the ability of the national political organization to promote the national welfare his needs for the success and integrity of his own policy a conviction which his traditions prevent him from entertaining he is possessed by the time-honored democratic dislike of organization and of faith in expert skill in specialized training and in large personal opportunities and responsibilities which are implied by a trust in organization of course he would deny that he was the enemy of anything which made towards human betterment for it is characteristic of the old-fashioned democrats verbally to side with the angels but at the same time to insist on clipping their wings his fundamental prejudice against efficient organization and personal independence is plainly betrayed by his opinions in relation to institutional reform which are absolutely those of a democrat of the middle period he is on record in favor of destroying the independence of the federal judiciary by making it elective of diminishing the authority of the president by allowing him only a suspensive veto on legislation and of converting representative assemblies into a machinery like that of the old french parliaments for merely registering the sovereign will faith in the people and confidence in popular government means to mr bryan an utter lack of faith in those personal instruments whereby such rule can be endowed with foresight moderation and direction confidence in the average man that is means to him distrust in the exceptional man or in any sort of organization which bestows on the exceptional man an opportunity equal to his ability and equipment he stands for the sacrifice of the individual to the popular average and the perpetuation of such a sacrifice would mean ultimate democratic degeneration end of chapter six section three